This is the Quacked Out Podcast. This is Charlie Folkstead. This is Reed Tingley. Um, Ohio State, we'll do a little bit of Ohio State wrap-up today. Talk about Stony Brook, maybe. Um, <laughs> maybe not. We'll see. Uh, and, yeah, just kind of wrap up our thoughts from, from the Ohio State game day. Obviously, if you haven't gone and checked out our our instant reactions to it, go do that. Um, should be, I mean, not should be. It is the last pod in the feed. Um, I don't know about you, Reed, but I'm still like, I don't know. I'm I'm still high off of this uh, result. I mean, we stayed we <laughs> we went in depth about like what the magnitude of this might be and stuff like that. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more again today. I mean, I think it's largely dependent on how the rest of this year shakes out. But, um, yeah, man, we'll, we'll get into our thoughts on that in a second. Uh, real quick, let's just cover the injury news. Um, most people, if you're listening to this, probably know it already. Uh, Justin Flo is assumed out for the year. We'll just say he's out for the year, uh, along with Cam McCormick, who McCormick will now be missing his fourth straight season due to injury um that i mean i feel so bad for the guy but he still always has a great attitude about it um really though for flow i mean that that's terrible news obviously mace funa also dinged up he and kt are gonna challenge our edge depth um i i would assume kt doesn't play against stony brook um we shouldn't need him as we'll get to yeah. in a little bit uh mace though obviously i mean those are literally our two starting edge guys um but yeah do you have any overall thoughts about how this affects things we'll talk about linebacker depth in just a second i don't know if you want to go straight there or if you have any thoughts on any of these other guys yeah i think it sucks to be dinged up after that game for sure um but that that is football to a certain degree i think flow especially at inside linebacker is tough but as we're going to talk about i mean the depth there is being challenged but at the same time this unit came out there on on saturday versus ohio state no kt no flow funa was pretty limited in that game as well he was he got dinged up pretty early i believe um and they beat Ohio State. So, I mean, I think the concerns about linebacker depth are warranted and that obviously you're not going to have another guy as talented as Flo. Well, not an, you have Sewell who's as talented, <laughs> but not a, a third guy to step into that other role. Um, but those guys did step up who were, were those other linebackers. I thought um, Keith Brown played a good, you know, a solid game for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Nate Hukalani, the walk-on, played a mm -hmm. great, great game as well. Um, he didn't look out of place out there, uh, nor did Keith Brown, which is wildly impressive playing yeah. against Ohio oh, yeah. State. With you know, you're you're a walk-on and you're a true freshman. Those guys aren't meant on paper to be able to play as well as they did, and they stepped up. I think. One thing I wanted to mention about Hukulani and Ryan Walk as well that QB11 touched on in his stream about Walk was, you know, this discussion about 
about those two being walk-ons and getting minutes on this team kind of is something that I think it's, it's time to move past for us because those guys just looked the part on Saturday. They do, you know, it, it just is a tired talking point that we're at, at a major talent deficit when those two are out there because they just don't play like it. And for me, it kind of reminded me like, especially rewatching this game and, and you see Nate out there and it's like, do we remember what our scholarship linebackers looked like the last <laughs> time we played Ohio state? Yeah. Like, you know, th- we're fine at linebacker. We're fine there. Even without flow, it's a big hit. Um, and as you said, flow out for the season, potentially, I think there's a chance he gets back. Um, maybe it's for a, for the last game of the season or a conference championship game or a bowl game. You don't know how that's going to progress, but there's also a chance he just can't, can't get there um, by the end of the season, which is unfortunate, but yeah. at, at the end of the day, we could be talking about these injuries after a loss and, and be in a whole lot darker spot. Um, but the ducks won on Saturday ultimately that result is is what's yeah. the most important thing you talk like a guy like cam mccormick all he's been through his quotes after the game were hey i got that first down that's what mattered uh and and he said on twitter something to the effect of you know i wouldn't wouldn't trade anything for the day that i got to experience on saturday contributing to that win for the program that's that's what it is football's a brutal game sometimes um and so you never like to see the injuries, but I want to like be angry for him. Cause you know, right. he's not going to do it on his own, <laughs> at least not publicly. Like I want, right. I want to feel bad for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I totally agree on walk and Nate. Um, those are two guys who did get scholarships. Like let's, let's be clear. They're not walk-ons anymore. Technically speaking. Um, they, but they got scholarships last season basically because we had so many opt-outs. Um, I think was kind of the, the hidden meaning there. Um, but yeah, they, so technically like right before the last season began, um, I'm staring at an article published on Halloween 2020, which is scary enough that it was that late in the year before we even started playing games, I believe. Um, yeah. So, or maybe it was a little bit after that either way. Um, yeah, I agree. Those guys played like, they they belonged there um and again like i understand that like using a walk-on is kind of shorthand for just saying they used to be a walk-on walk-on or basically saying like they weren't at the physical level um that you know the rest of the roster was um but again on the rewatch we saw walk like handle some dudes even haskell garrett at one point um like he he can play he's no longer like a weak link so to speak i don't think yeah, man, Block handled Haskell Garrett. Like, that was – it wasn't all game, but there were reps where Walk was legit going in there against, like, NFL-caliber D-linemen people are yeah, talking yeah. up. Like, that's – Haskell Garrett's, like, one of the ten defensive line names, like, people know in the country. That's, like, household names amongst, like, pretty yeah. serious college football fans. And Walk, yeah. like – dug into him on some plays man like that was legit yeah. like not just holding your own like he won straight up one reps and like created big plays on saturday 
Yeah, that was really nice to see. Um, in terms of McCormick and like the tight end room, I mean, like I'm not, I don't want to downplay his or Patrick Herbert's injuries by saying this, but I think we'll be fine at tight end um, in terms of just bodies, you know. Um, Spencer Webb, Terrence Ferguson, Matavao, and Johnson all played uh, in that game and they all looked fine. Um, so yeah, I think we're four deep at tight end. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious again, as to how the linebacker situation gets handled. Love to see more reps for Jabril McNeil. Jeffrey Bossa was listed as a linebacker, um, on the most recent depth chart. So, I mean, maybe, maybe he gets reps there. Um, and again, upcoming with this game upcoming against Stony Brook, like this is the game where, um, you want to bust out your depth chart and have it in front of you uh, while you're watching. Cause there will be some names that you probably haven't seen before out there. Um, and we'll get into some of those later on. Uh, some other guys that I think stood out and showed that they can compete um, at a high enough level. And mind you, anyone who played like in that Ohio state game, like I feel a hundred percent confident putting them out there in the PAC 12 uh, slate because you're not <laughs> like, again, I mean, Ohio State's roster is far better than any will face this season. Um, yeah. Pac-12. Uh, Trevin May, Maye is a guy who actually got banged up early on in that game as well, but came back into the game and played. Um, I believe, well, he's listed as like a joker. So an edge behind KT. Um but I want to say he got some linebacker reps that could be wrong. That inside linebacker reps that is, uh, I don't know if you noticed that or not. Um, we talk about Adrian Jackson all the time and Braden Swinson is a name you should know by now. Um, but yeah, that, that linebacker and edge depth is going to get tested. I think that'll be really interesting. Um, and again, like this is <laughs> it's really great that we have this game um, to kind of ease off of. And I'm, going to start right away with the stony brook disrespect like the this is an fcs team and it's not a particularly good fcs team um i believe they're two and oh so far like they've won both their games but i don't think they were anything too convincing um and i don't really yeah i again they're over other fcs teams um we're not since we're not running a John Donovan offense. I don't have any worries about playing against a team of this caliber. <laughs> also, I do think Montana is better than uh, Stony Brook, but yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Not an not an excuse for Washington at all, but they are better than Stony Brook. I think. Yeah, I mean, for their sake, I I would hope so. Um, so yeah, man. I mean. I kind of talked about linebacker a little bit uh, in terms of who looked good at Ohio state. Any other guys you want to mention um, that kind of stood out on your rewatch of it? I would just say the whole, the depth up front on the D line was just big time on the rewatch. Um, again, we, we went through a lot of this stuff in our post game one, um, but the whole defense, I mean, it's just, you know, that's a really good Ohio state offense talent wise. And they won the line of scrimmage. 
we, you know, we let them get things between the twenties and that's honestly what you do now against modern RPO offenses. Um, we just limited the big plays, didn't let them break anything, um, big and we just got it done. You know, the secondary I think is, is a weak point a little bit still, but I think DJ James is going to step into that second corner spot. He looked really good at points. He had the big, mm-hmm. big uh, fourth down stop on Alave, one of the biggest plays of the game. Um, linebacker, I mean, Noah Sewell's still nasty. And then, you know, I, I do just think the way that we're building this program right now, you know, it's a bummer you lose Flo, who's that supercharged five-star absolute impact player on the field. But mm-hmm. this – the with Feld and the strength and conditioning program and just – it's just like – Anyone who steps on the field at linebacker steps in practice. I feel like we are just starting to hold to such a high standard that we're going to have people who can compete in Pac-12 play no matter what. Um, Yeah, man. Like I thought, I always thought it was weird or not always, but in the last, like, I don't know, over the off season or in fall camp, thought it was weird that Keith's Brown name, his name wasn't getting mentioned more. I mean, the dude is huge. Um, You don't always see that from an in-state guy. Yeah. Yeah. No. He looked like he was big enough to actually be effective out there. And he was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this game's still still crazy. I, I wake up every day pretty much and I'm, you know, double check the score, watch some highlights, <laughs> like, okay, okay, that really happened. We really won the horseshoe. It's like it's it's crazy. Um, and I think in the we were caught up in in it in the uh you know, immediate aftermath on Saturday, which is what we like to do in that show. And, and it was good. But I think stepping back from it, like, again, this this game is just t- so tough to overstate. Um, in terms of, you know, college football is a bit a game about symbols. It's about, you know, the rankings are all subjective. Recruiting, you build off of what you do on the field. Um, so when you win those games, it's, it is about more than just, oh, how good is this Ohio state team? Exactly. It's also just like winning that game in the horseshoe, um, is bigger than a lot of games in this program's history. I think, um, you know, Josh Pate did a little bit of a recap on it and that that kind of made me rethink my own ranking of this game because, um, I think you can look at it at one perspective, how big is this game for the Oregon program uh, internally? And, and when you think about, you know, where, where does it rank all time? You have games like obviously the pick in 94, um, the Fiesta Bowl in 2001, you know, mm-hmm. was a win we got, uh, 09 over USC. You have the 2007 game at Michigan. You have the Rose Bowl going to a national championship. All those but I almost think this is like from a national perspective, just a single game that people didn't think that we could win. Like Pate said, you know, mm-hmm. this was the game people didn't think we could win. We've, when we played Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl, yes, the Rose Bowl, obviously, I don't need to explain how much that means to Oregon fans and the Pac-12 and all of that. But at the end of the day, you're playing Wisconsin and people say, Hey, that's a that's a nice win, but we all thought Oregon could win that in yeah, 2012 yeah. and 2019. This game and that uh and the really the Rose Bowl against Florida State 
where that team had won 29 straight, at, even though people thought Oregon was good that year. And I think they were probably favored in that game. Um, those two are the ones where like, you're playing big time programs that everyone is watching this game, yep. you know? And so in terms of that national symbol, this is maybe the second biggest game that Oregon's ever won. It sounds crazy yeah. to say that, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Ever won is definitely the, <laughs> the descriptor to use there. Right. Uh, or the, the big, yeah. Thing to note there. Um, obviously that's, yeah. That, for a lot of people, unfortunately, that perception is still there of like, Oh yeah, Oregon, you know, they were good under chip Kelly, but they could never win the game. Um, and Helfrich by extension, uh, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, man, it, again, it just feels great to win something. Um, <laughs> to to earn that respect um and again it's not just that people watched it it's not just that they you know understand the outcome of the game it's the way it happened you know it wasn't anything fluky there were no like we had the one we forced one turnover um and that was it by no means did ohio state like throw the game away or anything i mean right they had their chances to win and we like prevented them from doing from achieving them (laughs) yeah they never led and even that I mean even the turnover it's like if if we don't get the interception there and it's just an incompletion they're facing fourth and 18 yeah dude (laughs) even if he completes the pass it's fourth down right Um, right. and we know how bad they've been on fourth downs that day right exactly Um, but yeah then there was like the and there were enough calls both ways that were you know there were a couple questionable calls both ways and that's enough to I wouldn't, I wouldn't question the pass interference, but other people would. That's enough to balance out the, like, get that, get that ref, get the refs uh, helping U of O narrative out of here, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it was a pretty well officiated game. I liked that they weren't calling too much. The holding call, but for me by far was the most egregious call of the game against that went against Oregon that pass interference call on a fourth down is the other one people are going to look at. But based on how they called it on the outside all game, I thought that was a good call in the end. If you're an Ohio State fan, you know, or if that had gone against Oregon, I probably admittedly might be saying something else. But (laughs) (laughs) trying to be unbiased, I do think it was the right call. Um, I do want to talk a little bit, too, about about kind of the national reaction to this game. One thing that I, I put up on Twitter um was kind of you know my take on it was that it wasn't an upset really on Saturday and I kind of asked that question to other people um Mm -hmm. and it sparked a pretty interesting debate I thought um obviously you know that some people use that term upset in different ways uh if you want to talk about pre-game stuff you know Oregon was a 14 point dog. Yeah. Like Oregon literally speaking from a betting sense. It's, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you know, that's not really what I mean. And, and I'm not, we're not, you know, kind of the hot take people who were banging our fist on the table that Oregon was going to win in Columbus. We understood the challenge and I'm not, I'm not throwing shade on the betting community and that I, you know, I would have had Oregon probably minus, or I mean, Oregon plus like 11 or something. Um, 
that was the score I predicted. And I think that was about where I would have had it a little closer than they had it, but it, it didn't seem unreasonable pregame at all, but I'm talking more after the fact, you look at these two teams, Oregon didn't come in there, like you said, and get some fluke turnovers. Ohio state struggled. Yes. At times, but they didn't fail to execute at some ridiculous rate. That was just about self-inflicted errors at the end of the day. My point really is I think the better team won on Saturday. And I think that if you played this game again, knowing what we know now, you'd have to pick the Ducks going in based on what we saw play out on Saturday. I mean, yeah, that seems to be the consensus like nationally is that, again, like I said, the, you know, people watch the game, they know the outcome, but now they have to respect us. It wasn't a game that Ohio State lost. It's a game that Oregon won. Um we took it to them and <laughs> yeah, man, we earned the right to be here. Um, as for what here is uh, obviously Oregon number four in the AP top 25 behind Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, not sure, you know, you can argue semantics and like, should we be one spot higher, lower, whatever? Um, I think this is, this is fine. You know, again, these don't really matter right now. Anyways, um, right below us, we have Iowa who, you know, you go, you beat a top 10 team on the road. I guess you have to be ranked in the top 10. Um, I'm not necessarily sure either Iowa or Iowa state are really at that level, but. Um, and yeah, Iowa of course is, I mean, you talk about like being the beneficiary of kind of those flute plays and turnovers, just to be honest, you know, Iowa is still a good team, but that's been a, big portion of the story of their of their first two weeks and that's the thing I think people would say my my point in the whole upset thing is I would say the Oregon and Ohio State game didn't look like an upset to me and the Iowa Iowa State game looked more like one even and people will look and say that's crazy because those two teams were nine and ten um but that's just how I saw it like I think if I were to play that game again I might favor Iowa State over Iowa, whereas I'd favor Oregon over Ohio State, even though Oregon went into that game uh, 10 spots lower or whatever. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for those who don't know, Iowa was plus four in turnovers against Iowa State. Um, and, and a few of them were huge, converted yeah, one of, a bunch one of, of them was a scoop and of, score. Yeah. yeah. The exactly. other one, like, was it a pick six or did he get down to like the in the to near the goal line i think he right. got down to five or something um so yeah it was <laughs> it was not a great showing from iowa state um i find it funny that you know people have to overreact to these um yeah like i still think ohio state could argue that they are a top five team um i don't know i i i would favor i would certainly favor them against iowa uh if they played right now um oh, dude i would pick Uh, again on the Ohio state thing, like I would pick Ohio state right now over everyone outside of Bama, Georgia, Oregon, and Oklahoma, maybe Oklahoma and Clemson. And then it's like, I don't know, dude. I mean, say I, I said, I tweeted this as well, but like, say what you will about the Ohio state defense. Like it wasn't great for sure um they're not elite in terms of personnel and their coaching is mediocre uh but 
that offense is going to be disgusting. I mean, we already knew about Wilson and Olave, and then Smith and Jigba Saturday, I didn't totally expect it until I read some stuff late in the week, but he stepped up big time. Like those three looked nasty out oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like they can, they, they can cook are, any secondary in the country. Yeah. Yes. And that, that O line is perfect, is a good O line. Like they are mm-hmm. solid. Oregon's D line just stepped up. But like that is not a bad offensive line at all. Uh, they're running backs like. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like Henderson by the end of this year is gonna be insane. Uh Mayan Williams is always is already a very good back, like you know, almost to the caliber of CJ Verdell, maybe a little worse, especially after what we saw Saturday. But he's a very good back. Mm-hmm. Henderson's gonna be special. And Stroud, you know, he's struggled with consistency a little bit through two weeks. But he'll but be good. That, he is going to be good. If you don't think he's going to be good at the end of the year, like you just can't evaluate quarterback talent. Yeah. Cause like he, he is going to be a really good QB down the road here. Um, like how is that? But like, especially with those receivers and Ryan days, like a pretty good play caller too. Like how are they, uh, it's tough for me to look at anyone outside of Alabama almost and say, they're going to be better than them for sure. I think Ole Miss, um, maybe Oklahoma you look at like, and then like uh, Georgia looked good this past weekend, but it's tough for me to put Georgia or Clemson in there even after I just saw them, you know, struggle so much against really good defenses on the other side. But, Mm -hmm. you know, let's be honest, like neither of them could produce basically at all on offense in week one. Um, And I find it hard to believe you can anyone could do that to Ohio State, regardless of the inconsistency. Like, how are you not going to let Alave and Wilson and Smith and Jigba like move yeah. the ball on you at least, you know, for two or three scoring drives in a game? That just yeah. seems like an impossible task. I mean, Alave was dancing all over the field, but he didn't have a touchdown. Um, obviously, there was the one in the back of the end zone where he flopped and wanted a call, but he didn't get it. Um, Smith and Jigba had two, right? The one on fourth down coming across. uh, And then Wilson had the one where McHale wasn't looking and he just ran right behind him. Like, and even on that touchdown, like that's not, I don't know. I found that a very funny way to start the game for Ohio state. Cause like for the fans in the stands who don't really care, you know, or maybe aren't in tune with the more like finer points of the game, like, you don't care. You're happy. You know, you're cheering. You're glad that they scored. But if you're Ryan day and like that offensive staff, you're kind of like, okay, like kind of got a free one there, you know, yeah. like they still didn't really, it still took them until the second half to really like turn on that offense um, in the red zone. So, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I was, again, I can't say this enough. Like I was super impressed with the entire team. Everybody played lights out. There's not one single person I can complain about. Um, and yeah, man, this, this is like a team that should be running through Pac-12 play. Although saying that makes me a little bit nervous about how it might end up. Um, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And we should get into that in a second. There's one other thing I wanted to ask you about, though. I don't know. Do you listen to Cover 3? With, I do, uh, yeah. yeah. Did you check the one Saturday or no? Yeah, or I, I was actually maybe listening come out to it live at first. There yeah. was... 
there was this really interesting exchange between uh well Fernell and Fernell uh Fernelli and Danny Cannell yeah. were kind of going back and forth with Bud Elliott about Oregon and where they sit um and it was really interesting because because basically they kind of were just pushing him why isn't Oregon really up there mm-hmm. uh and why is Ohio State that much different than Clemson kind of like comparing those two games because those are the two biggest games so far Oregon Ohio State and yeah. Clemson Georgia without a doubt are the two biggest games we've seen played. oh yeah yeah um and and for now or Bud Elliott basically was saying like well you know Oregon's an inferior team to Georgia and for Nelly literally pushed him on it like well why can't they beat Georgia they literally <laughs> just went into Ohio State and won and Bud Elliott like it it basically shut him up like he you know and and <laughs> you can favor you can favor Georgia in that game absolutely mm-hmm. but once Oregon does that like what can you even like that was I think a moment where Bud Elliott was like holy shit they did actually just do that against a team that is one of the most talented in the country. Like you might favor Georgia, but Oregon no longer can you say they line up on the field against Georgia and they have no chance. Like Bud Elliott literally was saying about Oregon before they played Ohio state. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) I love Elliott more so than like, any other guy on that show Um, he's great for sure yeah i i trust his like especially when it comes out to betting like i trust his opinion the most out of anyone there um but yeah a few of them definitely like very clearly have that like east coast acc sec tilt a lot of them oh yeah literally worked i mean that that's how they got started in the first place Um, chip patterson's the worst he he's like buddy (laughs) bud elliott except he doesn't know about anything so he just is blindly like i respect i respect the hours chip puts in to like try to catch up to those guys but um yeah they're definitely a little bit ahead of him in terms of knowledge um i don't respect it honestly damn chip is one of my least favorite people in the in the college football industry he just he he's an Oregon hater he's a bona fide Oregon hater like really? he he was go like he was talking to Fornelli the whole time like oh yeah Fornelli you were just like smiling and laughing after you randomly took a flyer on Oregon to make the playoff with like nothing behind it and you were just like you were totally unconfident in that of course because Oregon didn't look good at all and then Fornelli was like what like, wow chip good job I, for yeah. picking the preseason top four for your playoff yeah and like he chip just went with washington like he always does that shit like he just doesn't i don't know yeah. i just don't think he knows i just don't think he watches the pac-12 or knows much about it and i that's just like a issue for me oh definitely yeah <laughs> i agree um all right man uh so yeah we're kind of already moving on so let's just officially do it um Talk about the rest of the slate. I don't know about you, but at this point, there's basically like two more losable games on our schedule. And I know this isn't the right way to like evaluate an end record. I I mean, the odds tell you that a game will get dropped just somewhere along the way. Um, yeah. Because that's the natural entropy of football. Yeah. You know? Um, we saw it in 2019, you know, we were favored for the rest of our games after UW and like, or even, even against UW. Um, and, you know, we'll still drop it to ASU. Like it's the odds are that's just going to happen at some point. 
But the two games I really feel like we have a legitimate chance to lose. And it's really like one and a half now. <laughs> and it's definitely changed since the start of the season. Um, UCLA away is probably the, the more obvious one. And then obviously I, I still have Utah on the road marked down as like a, probably our, our next toughest test. Right, and we'll get into some of the trying to make sense of some of the craziness that happened in the Pac-12 this past weekend uh, in a bit. But, yeah, that's what I have, too. I think um, that's the obvious stuff. Uh, You know, first off on UCLA, they look good. Uh, Mm -hmm. I question a little bit just how good is is the LSU team that they beat. Because we know they're talented, but again, they they self-destructed last year and they could do it again. They didn't look that great against McNeese this Saturday, Um, but no credit taken away from UCLA exactly. I just am not sure if they're a top 10 team yet because I'm not sure if they really beat a top 20 team or if they beat a team that's kind of organizationally uh, a mess. Yeah, and granted, they'll have some chances too. Um, So, I mean, look out for this during the season. Like they, you know, they're in the SEC. They play Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Ole Miss in their first four games. Right. uh, First four SEC – or sorry, Mississippi State and at the front of that. And then that's their first five SEC games. And, you know, Bama, of course, uh, being in the – Bama and A&M from being in the SEC West as well. But – yeah, again, it's something to keep an eye on. I don't know. The consensus on LSU right now is that they'll probably finish, like, bottom half of their division. Yeah. Um, but, again, you can't let that affect the significance of the game at the time for right. UCLA because part of the reason they're losing confidence in, their, in themselves and part of the reason that they'll do worse this season than maybe previously expected is because UCLA beat the crap out of them. Um Right. Yeah, always keep that in mind. And the thing that worries me about UCLA is is who we know well, Chip Kelly. With him there and how their offense has started looking, they're probably going to put up some points. Um, Oh, yeah. And this Oregon offense, well, they looked pretty good on Saturday. Um, It's still – a work in progress a bit in terms of how consistently are they going to be able to finish drives? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that there is a chance that you go into the Rose bowl and you're going to need 35 plus. Yeah. And I just am still not sure if, if Oregon's offense can do that consistently. That's the big worry for me about that UCLA game. That said, I think Oregon's, Schedule sets up well where they, you know, whatever you say about nameless, faceless opponent, they are going to be put in a good spot to play UCLA there. Mm-hmm. Um, and UCLA won't have played a team as good as Oregon to that point. They have some tests before them. They have Arizona State um, and Stanford, and they have Fresno State this weekend, will be a, which will be a mm-hmm. very interesting game to watch. But ultimately, you know, hopefully Kayvon's healthy by then. Uh, and you add him to the defense that we just saw on Saturday, maybe they can, maybe that UCLA offense won't look as good. Uh, they probably won't, you know, you'd have to think based on how Oregon <laughs> played. So 
Oregon's in a good spot for sure right now. Um, we have to talk about all these other games uh, that happened in the Pac-12 recently. Um, yeah, but man. It, yeah, we do. The thing, the thing for me is the other question is just that UCLA game is the one you circle, right? It kind of reminds me yeah. of what UW was in 2019. Exactly, and what it was at the beginning of this year. <laughs> right, right. But for those of you who remember 2019, which I think a lot of us do, we – didn't play that well in conference play at the end of the day. We mm-hmm. played a close game with Cal where our offense absolutely was lethargic for the almost the entire game. We almost got upside upset by Wazoo. We were in the stadium that night. I was, uh, yeah, yeah. we were me and Charlie. That's the only game we've attended together. Yeah. Um, that game, if you don't remember what well, I literally had accepted defeat on the, <laughs> in the stands practically. Yeah. Like, we got was, the ball down to part two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we were, you cannot get closer to losing a game than that. And then Washington, we were in a pretty rough spot in the second half in that one credit to the team for gutting that out. Um, Oregon state was a close game. And then we obviously also lost actually did lose the Arizona state game. So there were that 2019 team put a lot together credit to them for only having one loss through conference play and being close to going undefeated but also there were four games there where they played by the skin of their teeth basically and allowed it to be a game where if one thing had broken the other way they could have gone tripped up and for this team now they're more seasoned the culture is really in place they have to be able to focus for each and every conference game because they, there is no reason to be in a one-possession game in the fourth quarter against any team here other than UCLA, really. It's yeah. college football, so it probably will happen. But you line it, line them up, line up these rosters, look at what Oregon just did this Saturday. They shouldn't be a single-digit point spread other than maybe UCLA on the, the schedule. They really just shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and again, we'll see how, you know, maybe Utah can right. do a little bit better than they've done so far, obviously, with them losing to BYU this weekend. But even teams like Colorado, you know, games that you kind of checkmark as an automatic win um, before we even get to uh, see them play, like Colorado looked really good. And maybe this, this can segue into our uh, Pac-12 slate talk from this past weekend. But, I man... <laughs> I guess we discussed this briefly on the pod, uh, the last pod, but like they could have won that game against Texas A&M. And how would that be for, um, (laughs) for a perception shift? Uh, Again, having your supposed fifth worst Pac-12 South team uh, (laughs) beating a top five team at the time in Texas A&M. A&M dropped to seventh for their efforts. Uh, They, they got by by the skin of their teeth, man. Like, I, you watch this game, right? Like, yeah, they they just got by Colorado. Could have been yeah. really ugly, ugly for them. Um, well, we should say too, like that. It honestly, the thing is, if it's not the UCLA game, it might be the Colorado game, based on what we've seen so far. Who looks like the next best team on Oregon's schedule? It, mm-hmm. it there's a case for Colorado, uh, yeah. other than UCLA, but yeah. That was a, that was a, I don't know. I mean, they didn't, they didn't move the ball on Texas A&M very well. 
I mean, no. <laughs> it was a lot about it was but a lot about they, A&M's struggles. A&M couldn't but, move the ball on them either. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, shall we talk about the most Pac-12 e game perhaps ever um, that we got to witness this weekend? I assume you're talking about Stanford USD or you assume about correctly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Jesus, dude. <laughs> so much for conference perception. Um, just kidding. Like honestly. But, the conference, as we said again, on the pod before this game even started, the damage is done in terms of Pac-12 perception. Um, but yeah, yeah, dude, my God, I, I'm, I don't like that Helton's fired because it was a fun, like, you know, it was, it was a fun meme for a while having him there. But dude, how, does, how has this not happened two years ago? Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy that it happened now, though, too. Like, I didn't pretty surprised when i saw it even though yeah same yeah. thing i just didn't i didn't think they had him in it had it in had it in them mid-season to do that uh or not even mid-season two weeks in yeah um, for all the second chances he's been given in past seasons i i thought that this was going to be another one of them yeah when exactly. he, i mean i thought it was weird honestly that they didn't fire him right after the game like I know that's a less common thing than usual, but that I mean that's what ha- happened to uh, Kiffin, right? At USC, like he got fired on the tarmac. So, so what? Good riddance. What, <laughs> what do you make of? I I mean I think this the USC side of it for me is a bit more obvious. They're a cultural disaster, and they. They, they're just fraudulent they're textbook yeah. frauds in the sport of college football they've been that every year under helton and they've been that even before then um mm-hmm. but what the what the fuck do we make of stanford here like dude i <laughs> just seeing seeing david shaw's like sly grin as as the game ended was just like he didn't give a rat's ass about the kansas state yeah. game did he yeah. Did, I mean, is that, I guess, is not, I guess think about, I mean, no, seriously, like think about what Stanford is as a program. David Shaw has pretty much zero. Okay. I shouldn't say pretty much zero. David Shaw has a much lower incentive to do well in the national perception and the national spotlight than pretty much every other program, just by virtue of Stanford, not actually caring about football that much. Um, yeah. Like Stanford could, I mean, they could get hit with violations tomorrow and they would just cut football. Like they don't care. You know, they, <laughs> they famously don't care about sports. Yeah. Um, their alumni base doesn't. And they're, I mean, they're like, I will, I almost said ownership structure. God, I hate America. They're uh not front office dude like the president and they're you know people that matter administration there. thank you administration jesus um they they don't really care about football um so like i i know it's very i, I don't want to totally pull down the tinfoil hat and say that shaw like threw the game against ksu to like look terrible for um coming into the usc week but i mean i'm having a hard time not thinking that just based on like the events that have occurred. I mean, the the we, other side of it though is just USC has recruited the trench the trenches so poorly, and that is Stanford's identity. And 
the coaching advantage for Shaw was huge in terms of, you know, Shaw's a good coach and Helton is a horrible coach. Um, there yeah, were, I mean, just elements the there, the fact but, that like yeah. against Kansas state, like he kept playing what's his face West instead of McKee, like, yeah. Kept making these totally questionable decisions that you're like, why, why would you ever do this? Um, and then of course they go and beat USC. Of course they do. It's just so classic. The sec, what was perceived as the second best team in the pac 12 before well maybe ucla had passed them already in terms of perception um but definitely perceived as a team that could win the pac-12 beforehand um (laughs) yeah man (laughs) i can't get over this it's just too funny like of course it happened and i (laughs) we didn't call it but you know we did discuss this as a sincere possibility which is more than most people did um yeah i mean week so you just got how could you not like it's just so classic like you said it like that's just is what pac-12 football is yeah 100 percent um if it's not fraudulent you if it's not fraudulent usc teams losing to like well-coached stanford teams i don't know what it is (laughs) so i mean USC won't win this division, right? I mean, I know it's early, and I know that's the first conference game of the entire year. But they're going to – they're going to, like – they're not making the championship game, are they? There's yeah, no I mean, way. Dante Williams can recruit his ass off, and – We'll see if he can coach his ass off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, we'll, one, we'll see if he can coach his ass off uh, – his his position group coaching is not like elite by any means uh in terms of the technical like development of his corners mm-hmm. um but also the other thing is just like we'll see comma he's gonna lose games <laughs> that he shouldn't because that's what any new coach does remember yeah. crystal ball at the road uh, uh, in Pullman versus Wazoo and then getting blown out at Arizona. Yeah. The explanation for that is just when you're a new coach, you literally don't know how to prepare your team for road games. There's so many things just about the process that get disrupted when you don't have that routine down. And it just plays a role where you just get these wacky results. Like that, again, that Oregon-Arizona game in 2018 is just like, one of those games where there's no explanation for it besides just having a new coach on the team, not being able to like get his, his team back and not knowing how to set up a road game to make the process of it and the routine consistent enough where your team can go out there and perform at a normal level. And when you lose just those slight edges, you're still going against power five athletes other the other team still has 22 guys out there who are trying to win mm-hmm. so when you lose those small edges even though your team is more talented you crazy results can happen and i will bet that usc is gonna lose a, a few of those games probably this year but yeah also, i mean who, who's gonna win the south again like i i don't think those teams are bad but is it just like is colorado gonna win the south 
Dude, I still think UCLA is going to win the South. I know their schedule is hard, but I mean, right now they look like the best team out of yeah. there. Arizona State, yeah. I think. I think it has to be UCLA and Arizona State as like your top contenders. Utah dropping a game to BYU honestly means pretty much nothing for me in terms of how they'll do in the conference. Um, I know it's just knowing a... Utah, they'll still bounce back and like be just as Utah. Utah is so annoying because they always drop duds in the non-conference play they do it either then or they do it in the uh bowl play like when they got blown out by texas uh after we beat them in the pac-12 championship game yeah like just why can't you just show up for a non-conference game and help the rest of the team just because you're not going to make the playoff yeah (laughs) some of us are actually do it for the rest of us yeah um but i think you're right too like it still just doesn't change my perception of the Utah that much. I mean, I do think their 2019 get 2019 get team probably wouldn't have lost that game at BYU. They like haven't lost at BYU in like yeah, they don't, years. Yeah, they they haven't lost to BYU in a while. That's that's a game they usually win, even though it's it can get close. Um, yeah. They play uh, San Diego State um, in their last non-con game so we'll see how that goes although sdsu isn't as good as they have been in recent years um i didn't realize arizona state plays byu this weekend i'd forgotten about that yeah they, they play in provo um that's so that'll be an interesting game yeah exactly uh arizona state and then all of a sudden that that opening conference game colorado and asu might be like the the game of the week in the pac-12 um yeah. on september 25th so I mean, we play Arizona that week. That's the week that, like, uh, Wazoo play Utah, UCLA play Stanford. Like, Washington's going to lose to Cal. Like, there's just – there's so many weird games. Um, Stanford draws uh, – I was just looking at this because I was, I was starting to think, like, is there any threat to Oregon in the north here? And Stanford already has the one conference win, but they draw UCLA – at Arizona State and Utah from the South. The so crossover. that's pretty tough. Because I was just yeah. thinking Shaw could grit out – if they had an easy easy crossover schedule and they already hit USC, like Shaw could grit out wins against everyone else in the North. Yeah, but they – as you mentioned, they literally play the toughest crossover that you could. Yeah. With yeah. playing the four perceived best four teams in the South, USC, ASU, yeah, exactly. Utah, and UCLA. So – yeah, I, I, mean, I don't all, I don't see a threat to us in the north. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's tough too right now. Cal looked better this weekend. I mean that TCU mm-hmm. game, like we've said, I you know I think TCU looks good, uh, or I thought they would be good. Yeah, and that's a game Cal um, easily could have sent into OT. Yeah, exactly. So that that's good for the conference after Cal lost to Nevada in Week One, but I just think. I don't know. Some of this conference talk in general is just so tired for me, though. Like, yeah, sometimes I just have to be like, really, what does Oregon have to do with Stanford upsetting USC? Like, why does that affect Oregon's perception that much? And then at the same thing, like, why should Washington State get credit for Oregon beating Ohio state. Like, yeah, because at these, this point, like the public can separate uh, the identity of Oregon from the PAC 12. Like they don't have to, 
they won't consistently lump us in with the mediocrity that comes with the Pac-12 label. You know what I well, mean? Well, ultimately, that's what a lot of it is about. Like, that's why you focus on the conference identity is when teams don't have the opportunity to play a big marquee non-conference game, then they can't really attach their strength of schedule anywhere else. So then the conference perception matters a lot for a team like Oregon that's trying to build their playoff resume. But mm-hmm. the thing for Oregon now is like they just won at Ohio State and that is going to be a buoy for their strength of schedule this entire time because that's that is the like perceived waterline that they can't fall below is whatever yeah. whatever Ohio State does in the Big 10 all of a sudden that's another thing that's pushing Oregon up is any of those wins Oregon kind of is going to get credit for by extension. Um, mm-hmm. So, And mind you, Ohio state doesn't have a terribly difficult uh, schedule in yeah. the big 10. I mean, they play Penn state at home and that's their toughest game. Right. Unless you count Michigan, who knows how Michigan will be this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, they don't, they play Tulsa this weekend and they don't play like a losable game in my eyes until that Penn state game on in week nine. Um, and, and I don't even think, I don't know. It's tough to even call that. It's yeah. It's through two weeks, but again, like that Penn state game, what versus Wisconsin, like Wisconsin looked like, that looked like an upset to me. Wisconsin looked like the better team. They fumbled the ball uh, a bunch with inside there within the red zone and just like yeah. could not execute in key opportunities. Um, yeah. Who do you think kind of big picture right now? Like how do you break up the landscape of college football do you still think it's it's Bama and Georgia one two and kind of everyone else and and where does that like next tier end for you too? I agree it's it's Bama Georgia one two. I mean, based on all the results we've seen, I don't know how you can have it any differently. I mean, if you want to uh, argue that Oregon's two, like maybe you could, but I don't yeah, know, man. Georgia but, just looked elite. Yeah, I think I think 100% they are one and two, but I think there is some question about um, how good, how much better they are. Like because I think Miami looks worse and worse. Uh, that Alabama game, we kind of thought they were playing a top 15 team there and just destroying them, and it's still very impressive. There's nothing more you could ask Bama to do. But at the same time, if that win is against a top 10 to 15 team versus a top 30 team, it is a bit different. Um, and yeah, I mean, then, we'll see. Again, yeah. I'm, I'm hesitant to apply that. Um, I don't know, apply that sort of take to stuff because, like, part of the reason Miami will play worse for the rest of the season is that they got embarrassed by Alabama, you know? Yeah, no, that's um, it's, it's a push and pull there. I think that ultimately – as we'll get into with this game, this weekend's games, Bama goes to Florida. We'll find out a lot about them this week. So mm-hmm. there's kind of no point in going too far into it. Um, but I think if they do it again this week, I'll start to feel very much like they are a clear title favorite with Georgia as the main 
uh, challenger, and I'll feel very pessimistic about Oregon's chances probably of realistically like winning a game like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, this season is, which is still a fine place to be at, but yes, yes. That's yeah. again, only like, well, I mean, you already know how many teams are at that level. <laughs> so yeah, right. of course we're aspiring to be there, but I'm not too worried about it right now. Um, I think the next kind of tier, I mean, I, maybe it just ex- opens it up a little bit, I think is what we saw this weekend. Um, like I'm fine with, if you put Iowa in that next tier with us in Oklahoma yeah, and Ohio state still, I mean, again, don't, don't push Ohio state down just because we, you pushed us up. Um, right. Exactly. I think that, and, and again, the reason why I'm so, you know, loud and uh, happy about the Ohio State win is because I think it's a good team that we beat. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. it's not that Ohio State was bad or I'm like rubbing it in their faces. It's like, damn, that is a legit resume win that Oregon actually got against a team that is going to be really good. I think like it doesn't have to be that Ohio state is trash and Oregon is good Mm -hmm. uh, is, is a little better than we thought. It's like Oregon looked really good on Saturday. There's more to see. The next test for me is the consistency that they're going to display in conference, but Ohio state's still really good. Just look at their offense. Like we said, like who is going to stop them in the big 10? Yeah, it's okay to be realistic. Um, I would put Penn State in there still, um, yeah. and maybe that's where uh, I could throw UCLA in there. Are you put? See, but here's here's the thing. I was thinking about: Are you going to put UCLA on the same tier as Oregon, Clemson, Ohio State, Iowa, Texas? A&M? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so yet. Um, so I think honestly yeah. that that top ten, kind of the end of the top ten, is like the good enough bracket for me notre dame i'm cool if you i'm cool if you shove them out Um, yeah they've looked not good at all they should have lost to uh, did you put cincinnati and florida in there or no florida no cincy yes i hate to Mm. be that well honestly cincy no no i cincinnati because i really they're not gonna they're not gonna make the playoff yeah if they go undefeated well, those those Indiana and Notre Dame wins they were depending on. So yeah, hard, yeah. I mean, either way, you know the deal. They're not beating Tulane October thirtieth. It's That's not true. happening at home. Speaking the of the Green teams, Wave are rising up. They're upsetting Ole Miss this thank weekend. You. Yes, I was going to say. And then they're taking down Cincy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so we'll go over some some other games too. But yeah, that that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know. I don't include Florida in that. They don't have it at quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they do with Richardson, but if he's not playing, then I don't think they do. Um, well, let's see this this weekend again. We're going to find out a, a lot. Bro, Virginia Tech is 15. See, this is oh god, I hate the AP poll. Like. Virginia Tech is not a top 15 team, man. Just because they beat North Carolina doesn't mean that they're good. Yeah. I hear you. I mean. <laughs> like, they beat Middle Tennessee this weekend, and that's the game that's going to push them into the top 15. 
please. But you run out of teams at a certain point. That that's the thing. They shouldn't be jumping coastal. They shouldn't be jumping oh, well, Ole Miss. Well, to validate your point, uh, do you know who they're playing this weekend? Tech. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> they're gonna lose that game, aren't they? <laughs> they're gonna lose at West Virginia, aren't they? What West Virginia is minus three. Dude. About to be a home field school as well. So, yeah, that extra boost. That's um, interesting, though. Like, you are right. I mean, I don't know. I, I like rankings re- reflecting what we've seen on the field. This was another thing I got into on Twitter. Just, like, I, I like, care about point spreads to a certain extent. I, they're very valuable to be, like, predictive and to help you understand where teams match up. But at the end of the day, they are just like trying to approximate what we could see on the field mm-hmm. based on these made up versions of teams that people have put in a computer. They yeah. don't actually represent anything real that is more important than what you see on the field. But like, that's the thing is nothing is, you know, people need right. some sort of shortcut to be able to say this team should have beaten this team. Right. That, At the that, time, yeah. That's true, but but my issue is, like, in the Oregon postgame coverage, people talk about the game, and they use that term that Oregon was a 14-point underdog at Ohio State to kind of act like this was a crazy result or something or like it was a big upset in the, in the sense that Oregon shouldn't have beaten Ohio State or they wouldn't beat them again potentially or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And the reality is the point spread was just wrong in that game. The yeah. point spread was flat out wrong. And I would have been wrong as well on the point spread, but Ohio state was not a 14 point favorite. And not when that line was baked, it didn't necessarily have a uh, cave on or flow out baked into it either. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so why are we talking about the line just because people in Vegas think about these things all day and make and find these fancy numbers that are right a lot of the time. And that's cool. But at the end of the day, we use them because they're right sometimes, but we have to also recognize when they're straight up wrong and when they're wrong, why are we talking about them anymore? Yeah, that's true. Again, we, we use them just because they're the best like heuristic. They're the best shortcut we have. Um, and and I like and using okay. them a lot yeah. before games, and they are the best thing we have. But football is college football, especially, is such a like tough sport to define. We only get thirteen data points a year. Yeah, and know? I think people so, are a little more attached than they should be um, to rankings, and a lot of it is because, like, I don't know. I mean, part of it I think is because there's a. I mean, gambling is exploding right. as a as a hobby absolutely yeah um i think also because we kind of just had a chalk year last year you know i mean we had the same teams in the playoff being good like yeah there were there weren't a lot of surprises last season you know um but like in in week two it's like i have fans from like ucla and, and oregon state in my mentions of that tweet about like that didn't look like an upset and they're like, well, Oregon was literally 14-point underdogs. Ask anyone in Vegas. And it's like, what does that mean? How, <laughs> who, how who can, elected them? 
Yeah. <laughs> How can you possibly say that means more than literally what we just saw the two teams play on the field? And it's week two. Like nobody knows anything about these teams at the end of the day. We think we do. And it's impressive the amount of information that they are able to pull out at times, but those things are not flawless. Like they are ultimately like a attempt to estimate and approximate something but the result we see on the field is actually it and matters a lot more especially after a game than whatever we like thought the point spread should have been yeah agree 100 percent um so i mean real quick i kind of want to talk about like what is our best path to a playoff here obviously if we win out it's it's we're in i think it's safe to say um, if we win out, even if we drop one game and still win the Pac-12, as long as we don't get blown out in that game or lose convincingly, then we'll be fine, you know? Yes, um, especially if it's about timing, too. Like, the the game that is the must-win, I think, is the conference title game. Oh, of course. Because yeah, it's, your yeah. last, it's your last impression, and it's, a, it's for the title of the conference, which matters in the committee's eyes. So that's a must-win. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, think, I don't, I don't know if there's any big 12 team who's like, I mean, the big 12 sucks basically is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and Oklahoma are clinging to that three spot a little more loosely than, uh, I think they're letting on. Um, and, and I still think despite everything about Bama and Georgia that I, I think they're good. They're the two best teams in the country. Yes. I, do, I am very hesitant to say that they're going to both go undefeated and play each other undefeated. Yeah. Um, Georgia, I feel like, actually have the better chance to go undefeated. Um, yeah, they probably do. Uh, their, their toughest game down the stretch is Florida. Right. Uh, Bama plays Florida this weekend, so we'll, we'll see how they do. But obviously they also play – Ole Miss is really West. good. Texas everyone, A&M. Everyone in the West is good, dude. Yes. There's been one loss out of every game the teams in the West, of SEC West, have played, and it was LSU losing to the UCLA. Arkansas. Every other game for that entire division has been a win. Arkansas looked great, too. Yeah, like, and they're supposed to be the worst in, in yeah. the division. Right. Even Mississippi um, State, like, they beat up on a, you know, solid middle-tier uh, ACC team. In NC State. No, uh, yeah, very solid. A team that, again, I mentioned them last week as that could be a close game with Clemson, and it still could when when Clemson travels there in week four. But NC State is is definitely a solid uh, ACC team, definitely. They're, yeah. they're, at least we thought they were one of the better ones. So, yeah, I think the SEC West, maybe other than the Pac-12 South, is going to be the most interesting division this year, even but, with Bama in it. like. Mm-hmm. But you, I mean, uh, you got shooters I, in that division, man. That's true, but you also, I will kind of backtrack on what I said because looking at the SEC and what they've done so far, it's this kind of looks like a year where they get two in. Yeah, it does. E- even um, if they even 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 a two loss Bama or Georgia could get in. Um, because again, what is the ACC is not doing anything for Clemson and that Clemson team could still, it's a toss up to me, whether they drop another game at which point they're fully out, you know, but they don't look 
I'm not oh, ready to say terrible. they walk through okay. that. Yeah. Um, and the rest of the ACC isn't doing them any favors. The Big 12, I mean, I think I, the thing is, you know, Tulane, even with my bias, is a pretty good team. They scared, yeah, dude. They scared Oklahoma, but, I mean, Oklahoma, I think that, that close game is going to look a little better for them down the road. Oklahoma could still be a really good team. It was Western Carolina this past weekend, but they won 76 nothing, Putting up 76 points. I'll be honest. I don't against Western Carolina. I don't know if Oregon could do that. I guess we'll see what they do against Stony Brook this week. Um, but winning by seventy six points against any team is just tough to execute and actually do. Um, yeah. Again, it doesn't change your perception of them too much. But I'm just saying, uh, maybe they can make it through there after Iowa State has looked a little worse. And TCU didn't look great. So I I guess if I'm looking at my playoff picks right now, it, it's it probably starts to look like um like Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Oregon. So you mean the Oklahoma. current top four? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't really know, man. I think I think the Big Ten champ will have a better claim than Oklahoma. Um even well, if it is Oklahoma, unless Oklahoma yeah, goes yeah. undefeated though. Do you think they can though? I mean, I'm I think not totally they, sold on this team. I think I'm they not, can. I don't think yeah, they yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. I think they I, drop I, one somewhere in here, whether it's Kansas State again or like Texas or whoever they end up playing in the championship game. Like, I think I think Oklahoma's. I have them better than Clemson. I guess. I don't know. Do you, they're they're so tough. I guess I th- I view them similarly though, and that I think they both have. Uh, 40 or 50% chance of winning out from here. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think I give Clemson a better shot than that. Dude, I I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's going to be – I think Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, because, you know, we have to. Um, And Ohio State's back there. I think either – well, I was was compiling a group. I think either Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State – Honestly, if Iowa can beat Ohio State, then sure, Iowa uh, or Wisconsin. I just don't see it. Iowa just hasn't. State maybe. Despite their two wins, just they've defended so much on turnovers. Yeah. If any team comes in there and scores points on them, their offense is just a bit too terrible. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's bad enough to have them. Like, how are they? They're 22 and a half point favorites against Kent State this weekend. Yeah, how are um, they going to score that many points? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, it's, I don't know. It's like I the Washington it. logic against Arkansas State. They're like, it's Washington minus 17, but like they've scored 17 points total all year. How are they going to yeah. score 17? And how are they going to beat an Arkansas State team that averages 45 uh, right. by more than 17? So I guess right. we'll see. Speaking of that, do you want to like make some Pac-12 picks this week? Should we do that? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's just go through the schedule and get out of here because I got to go in a second. Okay, cool. Um, let's see. Uh, Stony Brook, Oregon, um, Washington, and Arkansas State. We can just jump to that right now. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, dude, I'm. I'm close to just picking Arkansas straight state straight up. <laughs> I, I, I thought it funny that uh, Josh Pate said 
Arkansas said that UW will match up well against Ark State. I think he wants to. I think he wants to take um, Washington there to cover, but. Maybe he's just trying to tease that lineup a bit so he can pick Arkansas State for the <laughs> ramen noodle. Wouldn't put it past him. Um, Stanford and Vanderbilt. This is a very, very interesting game because, again, how Stanford would it be to drop this game? Um, just not do anything to actually help the conference. At, at some point, Stanford's just got to get kicked out of this conference. Conference if they lose this, it's like you're just you're just knocking down our best teams to peg, and then you're just invalidating the entire conference and the non-con. Like, what has Stanford ever done to like genuinely help the the Pac-10 or Pac-12 get an, into a national title? I can't think of a single thing. Um, well, they used to be good. They blew out. Uh, didn't they blow out someone in the Rose Bowl? Maybe like TCU or Iowa or something like that. Yeah, I think it was they Michigan did. State. Anyways, yeah. um, USC play Wazoo. Uh, Wazoo. This one's in Pullman. Um, oh, by the way, that Stanford game. They traveled to Vanderbilt. Um, but but I mean, like USC could lose that game. Like just yeah, yeah. just with how insane, <laughs> like their, like their coach just got fired on a Monday. Like they could yep. lose, uh, and yeah, elsewhere, Utah, San Diego State, like you said, is it, should, I don't know should be a win for Utah. Good, no reason why yeah, it should be. be. Um, Arizona State and BYU as you said as well. Yeah. yeah, that's a big – that's one of the big ones. Arizona State kind of needs to win that for – well, not needs, but it would be really nice if they won you that know for what the I'm conference. Thinking? I'm, I'm thinking this Saturday is sort of a it's, a – it's an early judgment day for the Pac-12 South. Who are the contenders? Who are the pretenders? Because if Colorado mm-hmm. loses to Minnesota, I mean, are they going to be able to win the South? I think not. Um, that's a great – that is a great call, actually. Those top five all have – Decent Good. games, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Comparable UCLA, opponents, yeah. UCLA, Fresno State, uh, it's on late, so I probably will be <laughs> watching it very, very closely. Um, that will tell us a lot about how good of a game that that Oregon trip to to the Rose Bowl is going to be. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, Arizona's got Northern Arizona. That was <laughs> early in the season, like when people were doing Arizona Point win totals they were like okay this is the one and it might not even be a stable one because i think their win total is like one and a half um they yeah i don't know if they drop this game cool i i really don't care about arizona um although did you see they keep getting like ap votes because people are writing down the wrong names yeah yeah i saw that too yeah just nothing says ap east coast incompetence like that story right there uh, we have a ranked matchup in the Pac-12 this week. Uh, can you tell me what it is, unless you're already looking at it, where both teams are ranked? We have a ranked matchup in the Pac-12 this week? Yeah, it's ASU and BYU. Oh, oh. <laughs> I thought you meant – Oh, yeah, no, it's inter- not a conference yeah, yeah, game. Yeah. yeah, the only conference okay, game this yeah. weekend is USC uh, and Wazoo. Right. Because they're special. Um, Cal plays Sac State, should be a win. Oregon State plays Idaho should be a win. And yeah, that, that's all the games. Um, 
And then let's go through big, big top 25 ones real quick. I'll, I'll rattle some through and, and ask for your opinion on any of yep. them. Yep. Um, okay. I'm scrolling to see what looks good here. Well, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Virginia Tech is barely a ranked team in both of our minds, I think. Yeah. That uh, could be a 25 instead of a 15. Yeah, it probably exactly. Should be, honestly. Um, but that'll be close, but that doesn't really have a big effect on anything. Uh, oh, what did we think of Michigan-Washington last weekend? We didn't talk oh, about yeah, that Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it hadn't finished yet. Um, I mean, it was pretty much what I expected. Uh, Washington didn't score a touchdown until garbage time. And, again, they, they showed me nothing in terms of yeah. being uh, a contender for the North. I, I'd lie if I tell you I wasn't a tiny bit nervous still about going to Seattle. Um just no, because I, I the if they way. care about any game for the rest of the year, it's going to be that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the Apple Cup, but like they know they'll win that. Um, they played us. They played us good in eighteen and nineteen, obviously. So it 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 yeah. just kind of pulled over from that for me. I, we'll see how it is. Um, they obviously haven't done anything to justify it on the field, but those two games have, were really good ones. So and yeah, they they can still get better. I feel like. Yeah. Um, um Michigan not, State yeah. Miami is a big is an interesting uh kind of conference perception yeah, matchup Miami there. Yeah. yeah. Uh Nebraska at Oklahoma is a funny one just because like remember Nebraska tried to get this game canceled. Um and they right. couldn't. Yeah. Uh, I would also highlight Cincy at Indiana at the 9 a.m. slot. Um right. there's some good reasons to wake up and have a rooting interest on at 9 a.m. this weekend. Yeah, uh, getting Indian or getting Cincinnati out of that playoff picture would Could be, be huge, yeah. yeah, would be nice. And and I'll take off my Tulane hat too. Just if you if you can get Cincy lower ranked, then you don't have to worry about Tulane surging into the playoff picture either. If you're a Ducks fan, facts, facts. Yeah, how sick would that be? For <laughs> um, um, who else we got here? Again, root for per- Nebraska uh, against Oklahoma. Yeah, Purdue Notre Dame. Uh, easy spot Notre Dame has been close to dropping. Um, Eleven thirty a.m. And, kick. Uh, they could, you know, they could easily drop again this week. They almost lost to Toledo, very close, and they went to OT versus Florida State. So I, I think both the Cincinnati and Notre Dame ones. They're not guys I'm overly worried about in the playoff picture, but it's kind of a peace of mind get them out of the way, like. Yeah, yeah. I, I still have PTSD from that 2011 Notre Dame team that was fraudulent <laughs> the entire year and just somehow never actually dropped the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, Even though they did against Stanford, the refs just right. chose not to see it. Yes. Um, what else? Ba- Obviously, Bama, Bama Florida is the big one. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's great about that is it's at 1230, so it should line up perfectly for uh, – tailgating purposes at Autumn mm-hmm. with the 430 mm-hmm. kick. Um, let's you, see. You have any feeling about like South Carolina worry you at all? That's just a, that's it, a low a, spot for me. You it's know, a revenge just, game because yeah. they, uh, you know, obviously Georgia was in pretty much the same position when they last lost to South Carolina a couple of years back. Yeah. Um, um, Otherwise, Auburn, Penn, Auburn at Penn State. That's the out. best game. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. Um, that'll just be interesting to watch. Auburn's look good so far. Harson yep. down there. Uh, Penn State rebounding. They obviously had the win versus Wisconsin. That was big, but I, I still feel like I can't really pin them down. How good they are. Um, so this will be a really interesting one. I think. 
yeah, I, it, you could go either way for, for which result is better for Oregon, I think. Um, yeah. But I'm, yeah, yeah, I don't know what I'm rooting for. I'm just rooting for a good game there. Um, and then that kind of does it for high profile matchups. No, 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 there's a big one at five o'clock. Oh, well, Tulane at Ole Miss. We already, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to give it another um, mention, though. I would, yeah, and good thing you did because. Look, man, I, if this game was anywhere else, I would say Tulane have, like, a legitimate chance to, like, win it. Um, unfortunately, by virtue of it being in Oxford, like, that kind of makes it unwinnable in my eyes. Yeah, I know. It sucks, though. Because, I mean, and I could, I could be wrong. They could still win that game. Um, I haven't seen what the spread on it is, but. It's 14. Um, 14, that's it? Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. Ole Miss's off- offense can score against anybody, but. Um, you, to turnovers break the right way and, and something yeah. fluky happens, so, and it could get interesting. To, but, if yeah. Tulane can keep pace, yeah, definitely. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really see anything else. Oklahoma State at Boise State, maybe, maybe a close one. Um, yeah. Yeah kind of a later game but yeah that'll still be it's not really a lot <laughs> yeah we, we can run through this week's conference slate which we already did actually never mind yeah um i guess the last thing we just have to do is a bit of a obligatory you know what what are we looking for against stony brook this weekend for the ducks i'm, I'm sorry for okay. those who were looking for a little more preview content <laughs> honestly we both kind of felt like the stuff we were most interested in this week was thinking more about the Ohio state game and just cleaning some other stuff up. And well, this game, I'm very excited to watch. It'll be fun to see some younger guys get in hopefully. And, and maybe we see a second quarterback get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, or third or fourth, you know, I, because, because we're removed from the program, no one inside the program has this mindset, I'm sure, but, it is a bit of a glorified scrimmage on Saturday. Yeah. Can we say uh, that? Yeah, man. And I want to give some Stony Brook info since I have the Wikipedia page up. Um, they, they first started playing football in 1984. This is a school uh, from Stony Brook, New York, which is a place in <laughs> New York, uh, Long Island, Long Island. It was like, there's all these qualifiers for where it is in New York. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it looks like it's on the north side of Long Island. Um, looks like a very cute little East Coast town. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's a pretty, good, pretty big school. Um, in fact, let me just look at it right here. Yeah, it's got like 26, 27,000 undergrad. Mm. Um, or never mind, that's raw students. Like 18 undergrad. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good size school, actually. Yeah. Um, Let's see. They play in FCS, obviously. They are in the something conference. They lost to uh, Colonial Athletic Association. Yeah. Yeah. Same as uh, Villanova. Oh, of course. Uh, They lost to, who was it, their first game, New Hampshire? Yeah, Chip Kelly's old school. Are you sure they didn't beat him? No, it says they lost to him on on, – Says they lost New Hampshire, then beat Colgate on ESPN. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, they are yet to score more than 24 points this season through both those games. Uh, their mascot is Wolfie Seawolf. Wolfie the Seawolf. Um, he's uh-huh. based on a mythical creature called the Seawolf. Uh, uh, let's see. They used to be called the Sound Men, the Bay Men, and the Patriots. Um, okay. And it was the, the name Seawolves was chosen in the mid 1990s as Stony Brook anticipated a rise of D- Division One. Okay, so they joined Division One in like the 90s and then they got, okay, gotcha. Uh, the Seawolf was said to be a mythical creature from the Tlingit tribe, which brought good luck to those able to see it. Oh. That's cool. Wolfie has been the mascot ever since and is commonly seen at all the athletic games of the university. He also appears at other school events and makes appearances at events across Long Island. Well, good for him, you know? Um, so yeah, <laughs> don't, come on, don't, don't be that guy who talks shit to the Stony Brook fans that show oh, up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, come on, man. You save that shit for the conference. Um, yeah, like, exactly. Dude, Stony Brook doesn't deserve your crap. Exactly. <laughs> no, re- re- respect to Stony Brook, of course. The, my glorified oh, especially... scrimmage conference is not uh, common, is not, is yeah, not meant to be derogatory towards Stony Brook at all. Exactly. But... Especially if that fan has the, you know, decency to pay tickets to your stadium. Like, right. right. Tickets to your stadium. Like, if they, if they make it all the way out here for Autzen or if they have alumni over here, like, good for them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, um, what, that's what all I got. You... You have any you have anything you're looking for this game? I'll I'll give uh I'll give two things I'm looking for, I guess. Or they're kind of one is is the offensive skill position guys really uh in that second um okay second string. I'm looking at Byron Cardwell, Seven McGee, Dante Thornton, Isaiah Braverd, and whoever the two is at quarterback. Who those guys, it's gonna be a lot of fun to see on Saturday, I think. And Hopefully we get to showcase them in the second half. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing I'm excited for. Um, what about you? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, again, anytime you play this sort of game, as I mentioned earlier, you're going to be what I'm. What I'll be looking at is the roster. Um, so again, I, I want domination. Obviously, <laughs> that's kind of the baseline, yeah. like what I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, just to see the twos and threes go. Um, I want to see, you know, I, I want to see guys like Avante Dickerson get a shot, shot yeah. out there. Darren Barkins on defense. Um, yeah. I'll mention also Jalen Davies and Greenfield and scoop David, just to see like some of those younger four-star talents. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's always, it's always fun to see those guys, but for me, it's just, especially on the live watch, the offense is there's so much more potential for some kind of explosive play there. Like, yeah, that's true. You could yeah. easily see seven McGee break a, a 70 yard. How about that? Yeah. That's, that's you know, something we need to see is explosive plays. We haven't really yeah. had those this season. Um, except for Verdell, man. Except for Verdell, obviously. Yeah. What, what a play to have, but yeah. Yeah. Some more explosive plays would be awesome for sure. Um. Gosh, like really Bossa this off- McNeil, if they, really if this they offense though, reps. Yeah. for me like this offense put up like 50 like yeah or something, just you know yeah just do it like i i it, promise it would just be nice to feelings. see it. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly um yeah man again the the backup quarterback whoever it is i have a feeling that's kind of thompson butterfield ashford is the two three four but 
Okay. Yeah, this is Mario, so he always seems to surprise us. Trey Benson is another guy that we didn't mention. I definitely heard some buzz about Butterfield getting two reps. So I think it I think it's either Butterfield or Thompson. Um if any I mean if anyone was to kind of get on the field before Thompson at this rate, I would think it has to be Butterfield. Um, yeah. Ashford, like obviously I love having him around, but I'm not sure he's I wonder if they might just throw both of them there though. I wonder, you know, um, if they would, if we, if we're up big at by halftime, if they kind of go drive on drive off, like they did in the spring game. Um, Yeah. I don't know. You, you, you do want a real backup quarterback at a certain point. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, so it will be fun to see. Hopefully Mario's hand is kind of forced and, nothing tells you where guys sit on a depth chart quite like game reps, you know? Oh, um, 100%. so yeah, it, it'll be a fun game on Saturday and, and a lot of other fun football. Um, yeah, I, I want to keep going a uh, couple like offensive line mm-hmm. rotation seems like yeah. something that'll keep happening um, yeah. since we saw it against uh, Ohio state. So I'll keep an eye on that. Maybe a guy like Isaiah Crocker out wide, you get to get a, and him and Brevard, um, I'd like to see them get some catches or at least targets. Uh, obviously, on the inside on defense, names like Jalen Smith, uh, Michael, yeah. Michael Efese, uh, Suava Poti, guys who are on scholarship, um, Terrell Tillman, um, but yeah. not necessarily getting reps in yeah. regular games. Um, Keanu Williams, even. Yep. Whole roster, really. Yeah, be, I was gonna say I'm gonna end up to see everyone. Roster. And, Hope and those, maybe baby flow, baby flow getting some reps, perhaps. Yeah. And those guys who who balled out last weekend, uh that those starters and rotation guys deserve deserve some rest for sure. Hopefully, hopefully oh, yeah. their biggest exertion in the second half is a little shout routine, and that's about it. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Um yeah, man. Shout out to the uh any of the walk-ons from the Portland area, Jack Vecchi. Uh, yeah. Corbin Williams. Um, trying to think of any others on the team. Uh, I think Kai, no. I think Grant has a guy. I forget his name off the top of my head. But Charlie Picard is from Jesuit. So yeah. maybe half a shout out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, Kanan Rossi is from Sunset. That's cool. Mm, mm, yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's it's always nice to see these guys get reps. So, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Dude, is that a typo? Like, is Josh Delgado really that far down on the depth chart? Uh, on the organizational chart? No, I think he is. I think I think a lot of those guys have just moved past him, which is crazy because he played in he played in uh, twenty nineteen a decent bit. But uh, I think you know, without talking down on the guy, I, he might be injured too um but true it's it's not a typo i think he came into the program and he was so polished because he was just in uh really high level high school programs um but i just think his upside in terms of his explosiveness and playmaking just isn't isn't quite where a lot of these guys we've recruited recently is um but he's a solid player who he'll he'll work his ass off blocking um he'll run a good route and and make a catch but 
Yeah, and but yeah. what that means is what I was getting at is like Jack Becky is an or next to Jalen Red at, at the second wide receiver spot. So that good for him. Um, yeah, that's a guy I, I played youth football with. Go Bishops. Um, <laughs> Aaron Smith, you know, cross Patton. Be cool to see them get some carries. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. They obviously were, they were big, big time boy, in the spring game. Yeah, and big boy showed out uh, at the Ohio State game. Oh man, all those that's Ohio State video. videos were so good. All, yeah. all the Oregon fans there, I was jealous of them. <laughs> um, yeah, that was awesome. I don't, I don't. Oh, I have one more walk on I'd like to see on the field that I forgot to mention. Um, Henry Cattleman, you know, I would, I would love to see that guy out there at some point. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. I, I'd honestly be interested to just have Camden and Henry kick, or one of them hit, kick a long field goal just to try it out. Yeah. In Autzen, like, why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, let's let's make, let's make get this game over with um, by halftime, preferably the first quarter, uh, and let's see some of those younger guys out there. It's, it's nice to have a more relaxing week, knock on wood. Um, After the big one, yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude. Are you going to come down for this game? I don't think so. I'm actually flying back Sunday, so so I think uh, I probably won't make it. But gotcha. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but I yeah, got the, I got the week off too for the Emerald. Um, I didn't have to do an opponent preview this week. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> so pretty that's funny. Nice. Um, but yeah, I, so I it'll be my first game back in person since like the last Civil War, ever. Like literally the last one that was called the Civil War. Um, right so i'm pretty hyped for that yeah dude biggest thing to look out for though is those uw game ticket prices i'm I'm waiting for those to drop man uh, that's a good call yeah maybe i i hope i can get oh you know it'd be great if i could buy some off of a uw fan that way i know i'm yeah. replacing them in the stadium oh yeah do it that's the way to go yeah, man. okay cool anything else you want to mention before we sign nope. off Nope, that's it. Cool. Um, yeah, keep the Sea Wolves and go Ducks. Go Ducks. <laughs>